Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. We are so excited that we are in our fourth episode of the series, Letters to Leaders. And in this fourth episode, we're going to be actually focusing on the church leadership. Because I, I believe it's very important that we understand what a leader of the leaders should look like. Paul said that we should follow him as he follows Christ. And his point was that I am striving to be an example of what Christ likeness is. And that is an example that you should follow also. So that precedent has been set. If you are the leader, then you should be setting the precedence on how you should act. As a leader. So let's go ahead and jump into that because we want to uh, make the, the, the thing known that Christian leaders are called to believe and to live out the Christian convictions. The things that Christians believe, they should be the example, the epitome of those convictions. And so we as a Christian body, we have to make sure that positions of church leadership are filled with those who are qualified. And so the point that we're bringing out is that sometimes we put people in positions, but their lifestyle, their conduct is not conducive to the position that we are putting them in. Now, I'm just, I'm just saying I want to establish what it looks like, what it should look like, so that we can have an understanding of what a leader in the church looks like. As I said before, this is the fourth episode. The fourth episode of our series, Letters to Leaders. Our first episode, we talked about This Is You. The second episode, we talked about being personally responsible. Last week, our third episode, we talked about the best character. How, what type of character should we have as those people of influence, the leaders? Now today, I'm going to use an old country saying or word in order to get my point across about this. That word is bonafide. Now, if you if you haven't heard of it before, it just it we're going to get into it in the definitions. But today we're talking about bonafide leader, the bonafide leader, and what that looks like, or what it entails in order to be that bonafide leader. Let's look at our definitions. Our first definition is a leader. A leader is one that con conducts or leads, a guide, a conductor, an influence. As we said before, if you have a level of influence, then you are a leader. Lead is direction is given by example. So a leader leads, so he gives direction by example. And finally, our third definition for today is bonafide. And that means to be genuine, authentic. Genuine, authentic, real is another word that we use. To be genuine, authentic, real. 
Um, there's another saying, the real McCoy, being that it's not fake, it is the truth. Alright? So let's look at our scripture. Our scripture is going to be coming from 1 Timothy, the third chapter, and we're going to start at that first verse. We're in the English Standard Version for today, and so uh, that is what we're going to do. The first verse of 1 Timothy 3 says this, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace into a snare of the devil. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, manage their children in their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that it will fall upon the good soul of our heart in Jesus' name. And so, again, we are in what are called the pastoral epistles. That's 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. And throughout those three uh, books of the Bible, we see Paul giving these examples, these directions for church leaders. Now, we've mentioned that some folks have really sunk it down to say that 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus are only pertaining to church leaders, but the aspects, the concepts that are being described are good for all leaderships. So we are all to reflect Christ as leaders, as those influences. And we are to be leaders in all aspects of life. The influencers. But that does not negate that there are some things or some standards that are specific to the leaders of the church. And so we are going to do that dance today, talking about the leaders of the church. Now, in this, we hear Paul mention overseer. Now, the overseer, another term uh, that is used is the bishop. The bishop is the overseer. The, he's, uh, these are the leaders that are kind of back away so that they can see the entire 
organization and how things are running. These are the ones that are overseeing, using uh, oversight to get foresight and, and by using hindsight so that they can understand how to maneuver the organization, the church, forward. So Paul brings out, he brings out this list of, of, of things that a, the church leader should do. He should, he should be above reproach. He should be faithful to his wife. He should be temperate. He should be self-controlled. He should be respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He goes through these things that are... Uh, trips or, or, or stumbling blocks for people. And he's saying that this is the kind of person that we want to represent the leader of the Christians. And remember, Christian means Christ-like. So we want this leader to reflect Christ in his very life and in his actions and conduct. So when we select this person to be the leader, when we fall under a person that is in this leadership position, these are the things that we have to acknowledge and that we should look for. Um, there have been controversies regarding um, when Paul says uh, that it's, he should be the uh, husband of one wife. Now, what we have to do to do this appropriately, to do this accurately, we have to look at why Paul would say that and the situation that Paul was referring to when he said that. And one of the things that we have to realize is that sometimes we can pull out something, but if we don't understand the context of why it was said, we can have a misinterpretation of the intention. The intention that I saw as I was looking at this is the fact that Paul was saying that this person should not be wrapped around how the, the, the uh, kingdom of Ephesus was doing because the kingdom of Ephesus was that you could have as many wives as you wanted. And Paul's saying that we want this person to be uh, monogamous, that he focuses on his wife, his wife alone. And the temp, one of the temples, the temple of Diana, where a lot of the people in that area went, part of the service ritual was for them to have uh, sex with the temple uh, prostitutes, which were not their wives. And so we, Paul's saying, we don't, that's not how we want to do business. We want to do business in a whole different way. That the husband becomes focused on his wife and his wife alone. And that he would not be controlled by drunkenness, which was also one of the things from the Temple of Diana. Uh, so Paul is saying, we are not going to be like the folks where you are, we are going to be so different, such a significant difference that folks will see that we're different. And that's what we should expect from our leaders, not our leaders emphasizing to be like the, uh, the people that are from the Temple of Diana, but to be 
Christ-like in their conduct. Now, not only does Paul talk about the overseer or the bishop on how his conduct should be, but he also talks about one of the, I believe, one of the most significant positions in the church. One of the most significant positions in the church, to me, is the deacon. Uh, the word deacon is simply a servant. The, it, 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 it's it's, it's uh, related to the person who waits on tables. He waits on the people. He serves the people. When they establish the uh, deacon core, is what I'm going to say, or the deaconship, they were looking for folks that would help to take care of these new widows and these orphans and, and these people that were becoming a part of the church so that there would not be any lack among the folks in the church. We have to remember back in this day when things were coming in, the people were coming to be a part of, a lot of them didn't have uh, that much. So what they did is, the Bible says how they brought in all their monies and made it as one so that everyone could be getting taken care of. But there came to a point where the foreigners, the Jews and uh, the Greeks and the Romans and all these folks start having uh, issues because it seemed like they were only taking care of the Jewish Christians and were kind of ignoring the Greeks, the Romans, and all others. So uh, they brought this to the apostles, and the apostles said, are you saying that we should step away from Scripture in order to serve tables? Why don't you go ahead and pick out seven men? And they had a criteria of 47 men. And once they picked the seven men, this, the apostles, the disciples, laid hands on them and put them in position. When they put them in position, they became the ones that regulated and took care of and went out and did what was necessary to take care of the entire church. That's why it's very, very significant that your deacons have uh, hospitality because they're going to be taking care of people. They're going to be interacting with people. There's uh, things that we have to look at and not make a person a deacon just because, but there should be a criteria that we follow so that we can know that this person is in accordance with the uh, directions given by the Bible. One of the sayings that we have at God's house is that if you do things the Bible way, you get the Bible results. So if we choose our deacons, if we choose our overseers, our, our leaders based upon or follow after them based upon this criteria, then they will operate in the Bible way. We just don't do it just because we like them, but we see the characteristics in them that show us that they are uh, pursuing toward the things of Christ and living in a way that they will be a blessing to the church and to the kingdom of God. And if you notice, some of the things of the deacon are just like the overseer. Disrespectful, not giving to drunkenness, not pursuing dishonest gain. And one of the things that Paul stresses 
not only for the overseer, but also for the deacon, a stable household. Now, he's not saying that the, the, the household has to be perfect because we, we know that's impossible. But he is saying that if he can't manage his family, that he's going to have issues managing the church. Now, we don't, we're not setting this up to create the stereotypical PK preacher's kids where the person was so focused on church he neglected his family, and so his family became uh, so contrary to what he believed or what he was preaching that folks would not follow him because they would look at his children and say, or his family, and say, look how his family is acting. But Paul is saying, if you manage your family with love, with joy, with peace, with righteousness, and you do that, then when you come to the church, your family can ha could have issues, but they will be submitted to your authority. And if you are showing that, uh, the focus of love that God says that we should toward our family, then they will become alongside the example of how the family should live. So the point that uh, I, I believe that Paul is also bringing out is that discipleship should start in your home and not in the church. Hear what I'm saying? Discipleship should start in the home and not start in the church. So what I'm saying is that you should be discipling your uh, your spouse, you should be discipling your children uh, so that when it comes time for you to be in a leadership position, that they have an understanding of what it is that you're doing. Simultaneously, you as the leader cannot put them on the shelf to be focused on something else. They are your priority at all times. Sometimes what, what we end up doing is saying, okay, my family's good, so I'm going to go ahead and just focus on this. But that's not how this is supposed to work. The way this is supposed to work is our first ministry is our family, and we should never take our first ministry and make it the second ministry. It should always be our first ministry. When your wife, your husband, your children feel that they are priority, then you reduce the amount of stress, uh, disregard, outright rebellion that comes your way because they understand that you are loving of them. A lot of that stuff kicks up when they are trying to get attention, when they're trying to say, hey, you're supposed to be a part of us. And you're giving out all that we feel that you should be giving us to all these other people. But if you have that balance and you're doing it in a way that your family feels loved, everybody can see that your family feels loved because of how they interact with people, how they speak about you, then it causes them to be even drawn closer to you because you're doing it the Bible way. And when you do it the Bible way, you get 
the Bible results. So in order for us to do this appropriately, to implement this into our psyche and how we look at people, there are a lot of people that are have elegant speech, that are very strong in how they do their business. However, they do have some issues. And we don't have any uh, thing to, to, to say negative about them having issues. It is about how they process the issues. How do they get back in right standing? What do they do uh, in order to achieve what we call the holy standards? And I don't, I mean H-O-L-Y, not whole as in W-H-O-L-E. Because all Christians are supposed to live the same standards. So what we sometimes do is we say the leaders have this standard and everyone else has this standard. But no, there's one standard. Just like sin. God doesn't have a prioritization of sin. Sin is missing the mark. Any sin is missing the mark. So murder is just as bad as lying. It's not, this is, this is the super sin and this is a subtle sin. That all is missing the mark. We all need to repent of sin and ask God to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and also to forgive us. So the people of the church and the leaders of the church should be operating in the same standard. And so all Christians are to be holy and, uh, and, to, and to move forward to grow in Christ and to become more uh, like Christ and to reflect uh, the standard that Paul was mentioning for deacons and for the bishops, the overseers. However, even though Christians have a universal call to holiness, there are specific and important roles in the church that must be addressed. Leaders in the church shepherd God's people and teach, counsel, and lead God's church in the world. So that means they should embody the most important aspects of Christian character and life. While all Christians are to be holy and reflect Christ, church leaders must truly walk the walk. Let me say that one more time. While all Christians are to be holy and reflect Christ, church leaders must truly walk the walk. They must be bona fide, authentic, real, and not just talking. They must live the way that they are declaring and across the pulpit, in meetings, in, in uh, their actions and their conducts. The reason they must keep to these standards is because this is what God longs to see what his children are like. It, it, it's this example, you are, God has put you in a position so that others can watch you. And as Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ so that you become that example of showing what it is to walk in Christ's likeness, to be the lead, to, to walk before and, and, and to show what it is. 
that is not a guess. This is what it looks like. This is how it, it, you know, how it falls out, how it falls in, so that we can know what it is that we're supposed to do. Now, one of the most significant things that can happen in this situation is when a person uh, that is considered a church leader, when they're caught in some form of immorality. Uh, one of the biggest things that I remember growing up was uh, in, in, in the 80s was there was a, a, a scandal of the Baker family. And what ended up happening is folks ended up going to jail. I mean, it, it was really, really, really bad. Uh, and it, it was around sex. It was around money. It was around power. And it was around fame. And I mean, this thing was very, very bad. Uh, if you ever read about Jim Baker and Tammy Faye Baker... Uh, it was one of the worst televangelist issues um, of the 80s and the way they fell. Uh, I, I'm not even going to run down all of it because they, they paid their price, they have repented, and um, they moved on. But the, the thing is that leaders, as leaders, they, they are to reflect righteous standard in a world that can be hostile toward Christianity. It's, it actually reflects upon the totality of Christianity when folks fall. That's why they make such a big deal of it when folks fall. Because the world is at odds with being Christ-like. So when they get an opportunity to say, see, this is why we don't want to be Christ-like, you are giving them credence or justification for them to live not like Christ. And we want to eliminate that. We want to uh, be an example so that we can be the counter when they say, look at this. You can say, yeah, but look at this. Just because that person fell doesn't mean all of it has fallen. And we should be able to example that to the folks that we are dealing with, which is the world. The next thing, that the final thing that I want to say is this. Church leaders are models of the role. Church leaders are models of the role. Simply said, church leaders are role models. If you as the lead can't live uh, the standard of scripture, how can other people? You have to be the example. You have to set the pace. You have to set up the position to show how it's done and to be able to relate to people and to uh, convey to people this is the process. This is what it looks like. This is how it feels. This is how you do it so that they can get an understanding of what they need to do. We as Christians in, our, in and of ourselves are role models. We should be reflecting or modeling 
how Christ should be in our lives, how following Christ looks. We should be the models of, of how to conduct that. And when we do that, it causes people to see that it can be done. But leaders, more, most importantly, have to be that example so that the folks that are going out to influence their sphere of influence have a reflection or a, uh, a point of reference to look at and see this is how it's done. This is how uh, it's executed. This is what is said. These are the things that are uh, done, said, executed so that they can follow in the steps of the leaders. So it's very important that we be or look for the bona fide leader. The leader that is doing it for real. He's doing it authentically. He's doing it with truth. That he's living th this checklist of things that they should do so that they can be a great reflection of who Christ is in their lives and how they disciple those that are around them, how they move out and how they execute the uh, commandments that God has given them to love one another as he has loved us, to love their neighbor as themselves, to live the life that gives out love because Jesus said that they will know that you are my disciples, you are my followers, by the love that you have for one another. So we want to, wanted to come today and just say this is what a bona fide leader looks like. He has these qualities. He lives in this way. And he does things that not focused on himself, but causes us to look at this is how Jesus is. This is how Jesus would interact. This is the things that Jesus would do because it's not about them. It's about their ability to cause us to focus on Christ in our lives. Now, I don't want to uh, tell you to, to, to go into uh, your church service on Sunday with a checklist and start trying to check off what your leadership is doing, but I am saying that these are the standards and these are the things that we should be looking for so that we can be operating and being discipled by those that are living the Word of God. Now, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is the first step to actually finding, discovering what bona fide leadership looks like. You have to at first get yourself into the family of God. And the way that you do that is, can be found in Romans the 10th chapter, starting at the 9th verse. It says this. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And that word saved means rescued, delivered. And you are being rescued and delivered from the penalty of sin. 
The penalty of sin is death. But Jesus came that you could have life and have it more abundantly. And so we want you to get onto the side of abundant life. Accept Christ into your life. And the Bible also says that if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. So you call upon the name of the Lord. You believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and that he forgives your sins when you ask him to forgive them. And you are part of the body of Christ. And when you do that, God comes in and he begins to help you, assist you, and guide you to become more like his son. If you've made that decision for the first time today, we'd ask that you would let us know. If you're on our platform, you can uh, raise your hand, uh, click on that button to raise your hand. But the thing that we want to tell you is that please let us know by sending us an email at info at godshousecc.com. When you send us that email, we will provide you with information on what are the steps ahead because we want to assist you in accomplishing everything that God has for you. And we will do that sincerely and with you because this is not a individual sport. This is a team sport, a team situation. So with that being said, welcome to the family of God and we are here to assist you on that journey. Well, friends and family, that's it for this week. Keep your eyes open that you can strive to be that bona fide leader that God has called for you to be. Until next week, God's blessings be upon you in Jesus' name.